welcome. My name is Mason and this is Mace on Movies. Today is the second installment of the My Life in Movies series, which we kicked off a little over a month ago with Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, as I dove into the Halloween franchise. And uh, this month, for the month of November 1988, we are going with Child's Play, sticking in the thriller genre, uh, but a very different movie uh, stylistically than the Halloween franchise, uh, but a classic in its own right. So I was excited because I had never seen this movie before. Um, as I was growing up, you know, I grew up at a time where all of the classic uh, horror movie franchises were either in like their sixth or seventh installment, at which point the quality had gone way down, or in my teenage years, they were beginning to reboot some of these franchises or start to adapt franchises from Japan uh, or things like that. So that's where I was at as I was growing up. So Child's Play is one that I know that my uh, parents really enjoyed when it came out, but is one that I was obviously not allowed to see uh, because my parents had common sense. So they didn't let me see it. And like I said, this was my first time watching it. And I did actually decide to watch this original Child's Play as well as the 2019 remake uh, that, that came out uh, just so I could have some point of comparison because the one that came out in 2019 was in fact a remake of this movie um, with some different details as a plan to reboot the franchise. So I thought it would be fun to visit both of those. Uh, but this original Child's Play, which came out in 1988, was directed by Tom Holland. And I'm assuming that's not the Spider-Man Tom Holland. It'd be a bit before his time. Uh, with him also doing the screenplay, along with Don Mancini and John Lafia. And it was starring Katherine Hicks as Andy's mom, Karen, with Chris Sarandon as Detective Mike, and we also had Alex Vincent as Andy Barclay. So the story of the original, and I'm going to do with both the original and the remake, I'm going to just get into some non-spoiler plot details and give some non-spoiler thoughts before I do a deep dive um, into this movie. And I'm trying to do that more with my reviews as I'm going along to try to offer people some non-spoiler thoughts and then uh, a more of a beat-by-beat uh, review. So don't worry if you haven't seen it yet and you do want to see it, you can keep listening and I'll let you know when I'm about to get into some spoilers. Um, but to, I'm just going to actually read uh, the beginning of the plot here from Wikipedia for Child's Play because I think it describes it uh, much better than I could uh, after watching the beginning of this movie. So uh, here's here's the beginning of the plot synopsis. It says, In 1988, homicide detective Mike Norris chases fugitive and serial killer Charles Lee Ray through the streets of Southside Chicago, shooting him multiple times and hitting him. Uh, Charles' accomplice, Eddie Caputo, escapes alone in a getaway vehicle. Charles breaks into a toy store toy store where Mike fatally shoots him again. And a dying Charles performs, this is not a joke, a Haitian voodoo spell to transfer his soul to one of the good guy dolls, causing the store to be struck by lightning and explode. Uh, Mike, the detective, survives the explosion and re-enters the store only to find Charles's corpse and the doll. 
And then the next day, Karen Barclay, who is the mother in this story, uh, is wanting to get one of these dolls for her son for his birthday. Um, and so she ends up getting uh, this, 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 um, this good guy's doll from someone out back of the store selling like a, like a bootleg version. Uh, it's not a bootleg version. It is really one of the dolls, but maybe like a damaged or cast off one. And this is the one that Charles Lee Ray had cast his spirit into. So Karen ends up bringing home this, uh, this doll that's now calling himself Chucky. Um, he bring, she brings home the doll for her son for his birthday. And that's how uh, this Chucky doll enters the picture. So to recap, there is a doll that has the spirit of a serial killer within it that has been brought home uh, to this child, Andy. And, um, you know, what I love about this movie, without giving anything away, is that it, takes, it doesn't take itself that seriously. Like, it has a certain tone to it. There's kind of a wink and a nod that, like, everybody understands that this premise is kind of ridiculous, but they go with it, and they don't try to make it more serious than it should be. And I guess if I had to compare this to the remake that we got in 2019, which, again, uh, which has kind of a different setup, um, in the 2019 remake, it's not a serial killer's spirit that's in the doll, but rather a disgruntled employee actually reprograms one of these buddy dolls uh, to take away all of its restrictions as a doll that can sync up with different household appliances, removes all the, ex- all the restrictions that this doll can be violent and do horrible things, uh, and then it winds up uh, wanting to protect Andy, uh, but doing so in a way that causes harm to other people. So he becomes kind of fiercely and dangerously protective of Andy before going completely crazy later on in the film. So a little bit of a different setup between the original and the new version, but it all boils down to there is a crazy violent doll that belongs to a child uh, and causes a whole lot of problems. And what I think was really interesting about the original, like I said, is that they didn't take it too seriously. And I think they had a lot of fun with it, but there was also a real sweetness in the relationship between Karen and Andy, between mother and son in the original that I really felt was kind of missing in the remake. I didn't feel any of that warmth in that relationship, and it caused me not to care as much about that relationship. And I think my biggest problem with the remake overall is that, well, I think they took it a little bit too seriously, but it just felt really cold and it felt really lifeless. And at points it just felt kind of mean spirited. It felt very cynical and it was kind of gross for the sake of being gross. And all of those issues were not found in the original. So they kind of took this wacky premise and I think they tried to make it a little bit more serious, a little bit more realistic. But in the process of doing that, I think they actually lost some of the charm, I guess, of the original. If you can say a movie about a serial killer doll is charming, it's, it's weird to say that. But I really felt like there was something special in the original that made it enjoyable, that made it likable. Because I think in the original, you really cared about Karen and you cared about Andy and you wanted them to be okay. 
And I think the premise of the original was brilliant in that you have this serial killer spirit that's within a doll and he's carrying out violence, but he belongs to a child and the child is in these different circumstances where nobody's going to believe that a doll did these things. They're going to blame the child for the things that are happening. And so I thought it was really, it was a really creative way of having like this detective style mystery where the cops are trying to figure out what's going on, but they're being prevented from solving the case just because of the the craziness of the situation. Uh, so I really appreciated just the, even though it's not a, I don't know, I don't want to say it's a fun movie because it is a, it is a violent movie. It is a slasher. Um, but I think, like I said, there is a sweetness to the relationship between mother and son, and you care about what happens to them. You want them to be okay, and you want them to defeat Chucky in the end. Um, and so I really thought that with the ridiculous premise, I thought that the execution was good. And I think that's why when you look back at, at it on Rotten Tomatoes, you still see that it has a fresh rating because enough of it worked, even though it was silly, even though it was ridiculous, they pulled it off really well. I think they balanced the tone perfectly. And my issue in the remake is that I don't feel like the same heart was in it. It felt like a very cold remake that was trying to be violent just to be violent. And the other issue is it falls into one of those traps of horror movies where they kind of make a lot of different people unlikable so that you don't really, like you want them, you kind of want their characters to, to die. Um, and I think the when you have a really good thriller or horror movie, you care about the characters and you want every single person within the film to be okay. Um, and I felt like in the remake there were a lot of characters where it's like, this is just being mean. You know, like these characters are not likable and the movie wants you to watch them suffer. And I just think that that's a very dark and very cynical take for the movie. I just didn't like it overall. It didn't leave me feeling good while I was watching it. Um, whereas I don't know if I felt good watching the original, but I, I didn't feel, there's just an ickiness that I felt with with the remake, if that makes sense. And it's a shame because I really like you know, the people that are in the remake, uh, in the remake, you know, you've got Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself is voicing Chucky. You know, you've got uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who's an incredible actor. Uh, you've got a good cast, you know, and there's a lot of good pieces in place. It's just the overall execution was really, uh, just really lacking. So I would say that if I had to compare the original and the remake, I definitely favor the original. And if I was going to go back and watch one of them again, uh, it would be, like I said, the original. So those are my non-spoiler thoughts and comparison points uh, between the two films without getting into spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't seen either of them yet and don't want them spoiled for you, then I would encourage you to go and watch them, um, give them a chance, uh, and then come back. You can listen to the rest of this podcast, or if you don't care about spoilers, you can just keep listening. Uh, but I'm going to give you that final spoiler warning now that moving forward, I'm going to go into the details of both the original and the remake. All right, so starting with the original, as I mentioned before, the movie opens with a serial killer on the run from the cops 
who, as he is dying, says a Haitian voodoo spell to transfer his spirit into the doll. Uh, That doll is later purchased by Andy's mother from a street vendor behind the department store where she works. Uh, She brings it home to Andy, and that's where we kind of... The movie begins. And there's a night where Karen has to work late, and so she asks her friend to watch Andy. Uh, And while she's watching Andy, we get... We get this setup where Andy's, you know, watching TV. He says that Chucky wants to stay up and watch the news, but Maggie tells him he has to go to bed. And, you know, after he goes to bed, we see that Chucky is back downstairs in front of the the TV. So we can see that he has come to life. And the reason he wants to watch the news is because, you know, the spirit that's in the doll, uh, who is the serial killer, is trying to find uh, his ex-partner, who was a part of the crimes that he was carrying out. Uh, And so basically, while he's watching the news, you know, Maggie tries to put him back, uh, but then he ends up hitting Maggie with a hammer and she falls out a window to her death. Um, And the police, that's when the police come and they're searching and they're trying to figure out who killed Maggie. Um, But, you know, the only person that was home was Andy, the kid. And so with these little footprints that are on the counter, Um, you know, they assume that Andy's the one who shoved her out the window or hit her with the hammer, uh, because the hammer is one of the toys from his tool set that goes with, with the doll. And so all of it looks like Andy's the one who, for whatever reason, may have killed Maggie. Um, but even though the cops are suspicious of Andy, uh, his mom ends up sending them away. So there's no solution to the crime because, you know, even though it looks like Andy would be the only suspect He's such a sweet kid that you you couldn't really believe that he would do something like this, but the police are left with no other explanation. And that's what I think, that's why I think this movie is so interesting, is that it's this, it's such a brilliant premise. Like, who would believe this doll, a doll would come to life and start killing people? And so you've got like this, this mystery, like the cops are trying to chase, they're trying to figure out how to solve this crime, and Andy's trying to prove that it wasn't him. Um, and so Andy's claiming that Chucky's the one who did it, um, but nobody believes him. So we've got, we're trying to figure out how do we get Andy and the family safe, but how do we also get the police to believe that it's Chucky that's the one that's doing this? And, you know, as the movie continues, you know, Chucky the next day actually gets Andy to sit, skip school and take him uh, downtown uh, to this house where he knows his ex-partner is, and they end up killing the ex-partner. And again, Andy finds himself at a crime scene. And at this point, the police have no other option but to bring Andy in and separate him from his mom. And so we get this really, like, it's it's heartbreaking, really, to watch this movie where we know what's happening, but the police can't believe it. And so we have to find a way, we have to find a way to prove that Chucky is the one that's been doing this. And that leads to this great reveal later on. As you know, Andy is in this psychiatric hospital and his mom's back at home and Chucky is there with her. And as she's getting kind of cleaning up and getting ready to throw away the box that Chucky came in, she discovers that these batteries fall out of the box and Chucky's been operating this entire time without batteries, which leads her then to understand and believe Andy's story that Chucky is possessed or Chucky's the one that's doing all of these crimes. And then she tries to get rid of Chucky, but Chucky escapes. 
Uh, and then later on, you know, she's she's trying to convince Mike that the detective that, you know, Chucky's the one that's been doing this, but she just kind of sounds like a, a crazy person that's trying to defend her son. Um, so she says she's going to go and find answers and then she leads her into this place and Mike kind of follows her there and protects her when she gets assaulted uh, by this homeless man that had initially sold her the toy. Um, and then she again tries to convince him that, you know, Chucky's the one that's doing everything, but it's not until later as he's driving away and Chucky attacks him personally uh, that he begins to understand everything that is happening. And I just love that the way the way this movie naturally and kind of organically creates these situations that are believable that people would have this experience and then believe that Chucky's the one that's doing this. Like none of it feels contrived. It all feels like it's taking place kind of in a natural progression. And while this is happening, we do have Chucky visiting uh, the voodoo instructor uh, to get an answer as to how he can get out of this body. He actually finds out that the body is becoming human the longer that he stays in it. And he's on kind of a ticking clock to transfer his spirit into the person who discovered uh, he was who he was. And that would be Andy. So now Chucky, you know, the end game of this movie is that Chucky is trying to transfer his spirit out of the doll and into Andy and we have to prevent that from happening. Uh, so we get this great final climactic moment where as he's becoming human, he becomes vulnerable. And so they have to kind of time this correctly and shoot him through the heart as he becomes more human. Um, and it's just a great showdown at the end. It's done really well. You know, you have these kind of twists as you think he's dead, but he's not quite dead yet. You know, he's been burned, but then he disappears. And, you know, I just love... I love the way that it's executed all the way until the end, and I was enjoying it. I was having a good time. Like I said before, there's such a there's there's a spirit of playfulness. Like this movie knows it's ridiculous, it knows it's crazy, and it's just having a whole lot of fun with the concept. And I found like every character, every performance throughout the movie was done so well. And you know, this movie takes itself seriously enough that the action set pieces are well done and the performances are great, you know, with the exception maybe of the stereotypical uh, black Haitian voodoo guy. Like that might be considered offensive these days, uh, but I guess it worked for the time. Um, and I was like, you know, watching it now, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. But, um, you know, overall, as I said, this movie is really well done. And so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed where it landed. And, you know, I don't know what sequels look like, you know, I don't know how how you get into sequel territory with the movies that come after this. And I haven't seen any of the movies in this franchise. So I really don't know, you know, how this franchise moves forward with the spirit of that serial killer, or I don't know what goes on uh, to continue this franchise. But I'm interested, I would definitely like as this series continues, the My Life in Movies series, if we come across a month uh, where Child's Play 2 is the movie, I'll definitely keep exploring it uh, throughout this podcast series. And that brings us back around to the remake, which I mentioned before I feel is inferior in many ways uh, to this original. But I do want to give some credit uh, to the director and the cast. Uh, I didn't get into all of that before, uh, but this remake is directed by Lars Klevberg. And the cast in this is Aubrey Plaza as the mom, Karen. We got Gabriel Bateman as the son, Andy. 
Brian Tyree Henry as Detective Mike, and Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. So, great cast. And, you know, I think, I feel like Aubrey Plaza is probably miscast as the mother. I think that was one of my issues straight away, is that in the original, you know, I really felt like, I really felt that Catherine Hicks did such a great job as the mother. You believe that she was the mother of this child who loved and cared for her son. And in this remake, you know, we've got obviously like times have changed and, you know, situations like this are more common where you have a single mother um, dating some shady guys. And I, I get that. But, you know, the opening scene that we really get or like one of the beginning one of the early scenes that we get with Aubrey Plaza as the mom is, you know, Andy's coming home and he opens the door and mom's there with the boyfriend and they've clearly just had some relations. And, you know, so he's going back out into the hallway, just trying to get away from the situation, doesn't like the guy. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that story. I don't have a problem with that at all. But I did feel like the execution of it just felt so generic, like there was no... There's just nothing in it. Like they were just kind of setting it up to set it up and make it so that you dislike this guy, so that you want what happens to him later to happen. You know, and I just like it was just like I just rolled my eyes, honestly, when we got this introduction uh to his mom and the boyfriend. I was just like, oh man, this is so generic. Um, but you know, similar to the original movie, we do get this situation where uh she does want to you know, the mom, Karen, does want to give a gift to her son, Andy, uh, you know, do something nice for him. Uh, so she brings home this Andy doll. And in the modern updated version, like I said before, he's a, he's created by a corporation that creates household devices and everything's interconnected. And he's got kind of this, he's got an app that comes with him. And, you know, he really is kind of there to help you around the house to be your buddy, to be your friend. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's got, you know, he records everything that he sees, um, and it's meant to be like an AI style thing. Uh, so, you know, it bonds Buddy the doll, bonds with Andy, the owner, uh, as best friends, and, you know, he's there to kind of look after Andy. So he becomes very protective, as I mentioned before, and, you know, we, we, we kind of see exactly where this is going as we get introduced to the boyfriend that Andy hates and you know he's got this cat that he doesn't really like that scratches him and we know that we know immediately as soon as the cat scratches Andy that this cat is in trouble so um you know it's just kind of like it was very very predictable and I think what I would say about the original was that it didn't feel as predictable you didn't know where it was going you didn't know who was going to make it or how everything was going to unfold but in this movie you know as each character is introduced at least where the adults are concerned, like, okay, well, this guy's gone, this guy's gone, this guy's weird. You know, it was just kind of like, there were so many moments where I rolled my eyes as they introduced different characters. You know, there's this sketchy boyfriend who apparently has another family while he's dating the mom. Um, and, you know, basically Andy's saying he wishes that guy was gone after the guy kind of pushes him down and schools him about being respectful. Uh, and Andy wants him to disappear. We know he's going to die. Um, you know, and then it's just a series of like all of these different, all these different encounters where you're like, okay, I get it. These people are horrible. Uh, you know, Andy doesn't like them. They're not going to last long. And then we, we also get like, 
you know, obviously this toy is designed to be a helper. It's not designed to be violent. But then we also get like, as Andy's making friends around the neighborhood, they have fun showing horror movies and teaching it to do inappropriate things. And so that's where Chucky picks up all the violent tendencies uh, from these kids who are bad influences. And again, this is done, this can be done in a fun way, but I feel that the way the movie executed it was just generic and eye roll inducing. And it's like, they did, it felt like there was no, it just lacked creativity. It lacked some kind of heart. Like you really want it to work, but it just doesn't. Like it just doesn't get there. You know, it has all these great pieces in place, but just kind of wastes it. And, you know, you know, a lot of people, when you're watching a horror movie, you want the inventive kills, the creative kills, but you want those things to be earned, I guess, in a way. And I just felt like this movie didn't really earn it. Like it just set everything up and knocked it down, you know, and I guess that was my big issue. But as we go through the movie, you know, the Chucky's becoming violent, overprotective about Andy. Andy wants him to go away. There's a police detective that lives down, or his mother lives down the hall from Andy, and Andy has a has a friendship with her, and you know he's trying to hide. I you know early in the movie, as the boyfriend gets disposed of, Chucky ends up bringing the face home as a mask because he saw Leatherface in a movie wearing someone's face as a mask, uh, so he brings home the face mask and puts it in Andy's room, and they have to try and get rid of it, so he wraps it up because it's attached to a watermelon. And gives it as a gift to the mother of the detective. And so there's a scene where, and some of this is entertaining, where he's at dinner with the detective who's trying to be his friend um, and the mom and the wrapped gift is sitting on the shelf and he's like trying to get rid of it. So there is some comedy to be had. And I will say that, you know, Gabriel Bateman's performance as Andy probably is the best part of the movie. Um, And Brian Tyree Henry does his best. Um, But Aubrey Plaza, I just felt like, was miscast as a mother um, and doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie. And um, so I guess the highlights would be some of that comedy. Some of the comedy does work. Some of the situational humor does work. But again, I think it is so generic that instead of laughing, you kind of roll your eyes. Uh, But as the movie progresses, uh, we do get to a place where Chucky is, is going full crazy Uh, He's mad at Andy now for discarding him um, and he ends up like taking over all of these different um, Kaslin devices in a department store and there's basically a war of the sentient AI devices at the end Um, and that's where it leads, you know, uh, Chucky going on this killing spree and, you know, in the end, Everyone's okay. Well, not everyone's okay, but Andy's okay. Mom's okay. Detective's okay. Um, And the final showdown is meant to be a big action thing, but it just like, it just doesn't feel like because you haven't enjoyed the ride up to the final battle sequence, you know, I just felt like in the end, you didn't really care what happened. Um, And I guess that was my biggest issue is that I just didn't care. But I did think that there was a really interesting idea in this movie with someone programming the device. They're disgruntled and they program this AI device uh, to remove its safeguards so that it can become violent and it falls into, you know, 
the wrong hands or just kind of goes crazy on its own. I thought it would have been, if you wanted to take, this is me pitching what I would have done. If you wanted to take the original, having a serial killer, I would have taken like, if this device has been hacked, have it fall into the hands of a serial killer who's like sending it on these different missions, but other people who are in the situation are taking the blame for these murders because they're being carried out by a doll that kind of comes in and out and is being controlled by a serial killer. Like I thought that would have been a more interesting approach uh, to this movie to actually keep the serial killer concept, but update it to be used with this technology. Um, I thought that would have been more interesting. That's just my idea personally. I don't know if it would have worked, uh, but I think I would have liked it more than what I watched. Um, so overall, you know, this movie, I just think it takes a great premise and I don't mind them updating it for a new generation, but I just felt like a lot of the movie fell flat. Um, so this is definitely not a movie that I'm going to be revisiting. And, you know, if you want to, if you're into like slasher with a lot of gore and things like that, and maybe you like the cast, like check it out, see what you think of it. I'd love to hear what you think of this movie. Uh, but it just didn't work for me overall. And I definitely preferred the original much more. Um, so those are my thoughts uh, on both the original and the remake of Child's Play. I did enjoy exploring this uh, for this month. And I believe next month for December uh, of 1988, I think I'm going to be watching Twins. Uh, but I could be wrong. It's Twins or it's going to be Rain Man. One of those two are coming up next. So we're taking a very sharp turn out of the thriller genre when we get into the next episode of My Life in Movies. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed this discussion of the Child's Play original and remake. And if you have seen them, I'd love to hear your thoughts about them. You can interact with me on Twitter and Instagram at MaceOnMovies. Uh, you can send me a voice message through Anchor. And if you are enjoying this series or anything else I'm doing on the podcast, please remember to subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, share it on social media uh, with your friends and with your family. That would be super helpful, and I would appreciate it. I'm mostly doing this for fun, uh, but I would like to have more people to interact with through this podcast. So that would be great. And if you're interested in anything else, uh, I'm doing uh, recaps and reviews of The Bad Batch as that premieres on Disney+. Plus. I'm doing this series. I'm doing a journey through the Ghibli collection on HBO Max. I'm doing a journey through the DC animated movie universe, uh, as well as regular movie reviews. So I've got a lot going on. I would encourage you to explore it and check it out. That would be great. Um, and yeah, until the next episode of this or the next thing that I do that you listen to, I hope that you take care, stay safe, wear a mask, and remember to always be kind to one another. Thanks, everybody.